You're listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. My name is Clayton King, one of the pastors here, and today I get the honor to preach in our everyday prayer series. Uh, We are also uh, getting ready to finish out this week our 21 days of prayer and fasting season. I hope that many of you have taken advantage of our 6 a.m. gatherings at your campus. Uh, They're happening every morning this week, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., and I hope that you'll take advantage of that. We're learning so much about prayer and what prayer does for us and, you know, how prayer changes us and how prayer is a way for us to, to see who God is and to get God's view on life and the things that stress us out and worry us and the things that we don't understand. And today, uh, Stephanie actually quoted this passage of scripture in her testimony. We're gonna be in Psalm 139 and we're gonna learn some things about prayer today. And I wanna start off by getting our minds in the right place and and getting our, our minds focused in the right direction by making a simple statement today that is gonna guide our time through this message as I preach. And it's simply this, and we'll see this all throughout Psalm 139. You can know God through prayer. This is how we get to know God. This is how God reveals who he is to us. You can know God through prayer. Now, I have to confess to you that for me, pray, it's easier for me to read my Bible than to pray because reading my Bible seems to keep my mind focused. But I just have to confess as one of your pastors and just as a friend and a brother, sometimes when I pray, my mind will wander. And so when I think about knowing God through prayer, for me, it's a joy and it's a discipline. And when I read Psalm 139, it reminds me that the psalmist is actually praying this entire chapter of Psalm 139. So my goal today for us is that we might learn how we can know God through prayer. Now, today is a special day because today we're gonna learn some things about God through Psalm 139, through the psalmist's prayer. Because as he is praying to God, God reveals some things to the psalmist about his character, about who he is, about what he thinks, about what he values. When we get to know God through prayer, we learn what God is like, and we learn some things about what he values. In this passage of scripture, we learn that God values life. We learn that God loves his children. We also see that God has an eye on us, that God is aware of our struggles. God knows the shame that we struggle through. God knows when we're having a health crisis. God understands everything that we're feeling and all the emotions that we're going through. That's what we learn about God from Psalm 139. And and before I even read these verses to you, I wanna encourage you, church, at every campus today to pray to talk to God, to believe that there is a God on the other side of your prayers that you can know intimately, that you can have a personal, close relationship with, that God's primary goal is not to judge you or make you feel shame for the mistakes that you've made or the sins you've committed, but that God's ultimate goal for us is that we might know him, that we might be close to him, that we might feel his presence, that we might enjoy his grace, and that we might overflow into the world around us and share who God is with the way that we love people, the way that we treat people, with the way that we act and react, with the way that we stand out in a culture that in many ways is so divided and so dark, 
we get to, through prayer, know a God who brings light into dark places, who brings life into dead spaces, a God that is not always trying to turn people against each other, but tries to unify his children through the church and through the gospel. And that is what we get to see in Psalm 139 today. So I want to go to the last two verses of Psalm 139 and start there. And then we'll go back and read starting from verse 1. Here is proof that you can know God through prayer. And watch how the psalmist ends out this prayer when he Uh, makes himself vulnerable to God. He invites God to change him through prayer. And this is what the psalmist writes. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What a good prayer. It's, it's, a, it's a verb prayer, an action-oriented prayer. He uses the word search. He uses the word know. He uses the word try. He uses the word see, and he uses the word lead. Search me, God. Know me, God. Try me, God. See me, God. Lead me, God. Don't you see the intimacy that the psalmist has experienced to be able to pray a prayer like this? Don't you see the trust that it had to take for this man who wrote these words as he says to God, look, there are no secrets between me and you. You know everything about me, and I want to open up my life to you, take inventory of my emotions, take inventory of my mistakes, see me for who I am, test and try me, and God, ultimately, I want you to lead me. I need your hand to guide me through life. I can't do it on my own. There are too many distractions. There's too much darkness. There are too many opinions out there, and I just want to know, God, what you're like. I want to know who you are. I want to see you in your glory. And by the way, that prayer is answered in Jesus Christ. That prayer is shown when God gave his only son as a sacrifice for our sin. And we can know God through prayer, and we can know God through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the the promise of this scripture. Now, let's go back to verse 1. I'm going to do all I can to contain my emotion while I read this passage of scripture because it's so powerful and it's actually so appropriate for our day today at New Spring Church. Here's what he starts off with in Psalm 139 verse one. Here's how he begins his prayer. He calls to the Lord, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. And then he begins to ask a question. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? 
If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uppermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. And by the way, can I pause right here and say that's a good verse for us in mid-January in South Carolina, that we begin praying for some sunlight, some daytime. Come on spring, and I believe this is the first year where there will be no more daylight savings time. There is a God and he is good. Thank you, Jesus. Next verse, verse 13, four. Now, now this is important, I love this. For you, God, you formed me, you formed my inward parts, You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my un formed substance. And in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. And then I awake and I am still with you. What a Gorgeous prayer. What an amazing prayer of praise to God. You can see several times here where the psalmist gets, it's almost like he just gets so emotional and caught up in the moment. He just has to stop for a minute and bust out in a praise. God, I cannot believe you're this good to me. You knew me before I was born. You you formed me in my mother's womb. Before I even spoke a word, you knew the words that were on my tongue. God, how could you be this awesome? And he erupts in praise. That's one of the ways that we can know God through prayer is that our prayers aren't just us asking for stuff. It's also thanking God for the stuff he's already given us. And then you just begin to number all the things he's already done for you and you realize my prayers are not just about thanking God for the things he's done for me. I'm gonna now move into another place of prayer where I am praising God for who he is. He's beautiful and awesome and perfect and creative and compassionate and merciful and full of forgiveness and he's so wise and smart. He made all of us. He made this world. He he knew who I would be before there was a me. He knew who you would be before you even existed. That is our God. Now, Now, I wanna show you something from another passage of scripture because I wanna go somewhere that I believe this scripture takes us, that, that God has revealed himself to the psalmist in prayer. And that's what we're talking about in this series. But God shows the psalmist, and by virtue of the word of God, God shows us who he is through the prayers that this psalmist prayed 12 or 1300 years ago. God shows us something about his character. 
Now, we've been saying all throughout this series that we want to help you let God love you. That's part of prayer. It's part of discipleship. It really is the work of the Christian life to let God love you. So I want to take us to Genesis chapter 1, and I want to talk about this concept that informs who we are as a people of prayer. It informs who we are as a church. It informs who the church has been for two thousand years. We saw Stephanie's testimony earlier. Stephanie testified that she became a single mom when she had a choice to make about whether or not to have her baby or have an abortion. Today is what we call Sanctity of Life Sunday. And it's not just a Sunday about unborn children. It's a Sunday about life and how God values all human life. And for 2,000 years, the church, informed from Scripture, has valued human life. And I want to show you why we do that. I want to give you a, a doctrine, a theological framework for why we believe that our God is a God who not only creates life and sustains life and celebrates life, but how our God motivates us and activates us to be like him in the earth. The reason why the church is for all life, from the womb to the tomb, while we value human beings. And it all goes back, literally, folks, to the first chapter in the Bible, Genesis chapter one. The verses will be up on the screens, and I'm gonna read it to you from my Bible right here. This is what we call a doctrine of the faith. This is an essential. God has made the earth, he has created the heavens and the planet that we now live on. And in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, we pick up the creation narrative. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Notice plural language, us and our. This means that the God we know revealed in scripture is one God in three persons. The Trinity is in Genesis chapter one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God, the Godhead, three in one, decided that they would make the human race in their image, Father, Son, and Spirit, and our likeness. And he says in the next part of verse 26, and let them have dominion or authority, dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God made man in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, God created them. And God didn't just create them, God didn't just create us, God blessed them. God blesses human life. It says it right there in the scripture. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. I love that command. Thank you, Jesus, for that command. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God has given specific instruction to the human life he has created. This is what we call the Imago Dei. That is Latin, and it simply means the image of God. 
That's what Imago Dei means. That is how God establishes creation. And church, this is essential. So don't miss this because in the next 19 minutes of my sermon, I'm gonna build everything off of this theological concept that God didn't randomly allow our world to just evolve without design. Genesis tells us that there was a design to our creation. He created two genders, male and female. He told them to come together and procreate, to create life, and that life would fill the earth and subdue it. The imago Dei, the image of God. God wants some things. One of the things that God wants is God wants his glory to fill the earth. How does his glory fill the earth? By right now on planet earth, eight billion image bearers. That's our current population on planet Earth right now. We're at about 8 billion. And listen, every one of those lives is an image bearer of God. Every single beautiful person who looks so put together, image bearer of God. Every single young man struggling with addiction, image bearer of God. Everyone struggling to climb their way out of poverty, image bearer of God. Every one of the almost two billion people in India or China, image bearer of God. Every Muslim in Pakistan, image bearer of God. Every straight person, image bearer of God. Every gay person, everyone struggling with their sexuality, image bearer of God. Every little child and kid spring, every volunteer holding a door open for you in that cold rain this morning, image bearer of God. Everybody that speeds past you on I-85 and almost wrecks you when they slam on brakes, I know you don't want to believe it, image bearer of God. Hey, every Republican out there, did you know that the Democrats are image bearers of God? Democrats, did you know that every Republican is an image bearer of God? Clemson fans, every Gamecock, image bearer of God. Gamecock fans, every Tiger, image bearer of God. That person that gets your order right at the restaurant or wrong at the restaurant, image bearer of God. Every child born at Ann Med or Prisma or Roper St. Francis, where I was born, Charleston campus, image bearer of God. Every child in the womb, image bearer of God. The psalmist says it, you formed me in my mother's womb. When I was being created in the secret place, God, you knew me. C.S. Lewis, my favorite Christian writer, said none of us has ever met a mere mortal because every one of us bears the image of God. I want you to think about that, church. You reflect God's image as if, like I was looking in a mirror this morning to make sure I didn't have anything hanging out of my nose, to make sure I didn't have anything in my teeth, I'm looking in a mirror this morning, shaving. I shaved my neck because I got a little beard going on, you know. I'm looking in the mirror so I can see what I look like. You know what that mirror does? That mirror is not me. That mirror reflects my image back to me. We're not God. We'll never be God. But you know what we do? We reflect the image of God to the world. All of us do that. And that is why a day like today is so important. Sanctity of Life Sunday 
it's important because the image of God is everything. God esteems and values his image. It's why the enemy attacks the image of God. Satan is real. Satan hates God. You know, why does Satan hate God? Well, Satan hates God because God is more powerful than him and God has more glory than him. And Satan wants the power and the glory and he even attempted to get it and he failed. So Satan cannot attack and kill God. He tried that with Jesus and it backfired on him. He did try to kill Jesus and Jesus did die, but Jesus was resurrected and came back to life. So what Satan does now is Satan attacks the image of God. How does he do that? By attacking image bearers. He is the thief who comes to kill and steal and destroy. He's the liar, John chapter eight, the father of lies. I wanna say this very clearly. Satan hates every image bearer of God. Satan hates you. Satan hates image bearers who are born and Satan hates image bearers who are unborn. Because when Satan sees the image of God in human life, it reminds him of the battle he lost and it reminds him of the future that he knows awaits him in eternity. Revelation 20.10, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. So the enemy attacks the image of God in the earth. And what does this look like? Let me say this, I'm, I'm not a woman and I'll never know what it's like to have a baby or to have to make hard decisions. I'll never know what it's like to feel like you have no other choice before you. And at New Spring Church, we've said this before, I wanna say it very clearly again now. This is a church where no one will judge you because of mistakes you have made or decisions that you've made in your past. This is a place filled with the grace of our Father. This is also a church I think we've, if you're new, maybe you don't know this yet, but I hope that you've even been able to see today that we value human life and it's not just the human life in the womb. We value all of human life. It's why as a church, we value the Imago Day. It's why we support recovery ministries. It's why we support Christian counseling. It's why we give money to organizations that rescue people from poverty, that help rescue folks in Africa, for instance, from, from uh, the AIDS epidemic. It's why we support um, pregnancy centers for mothers who need to have an ultrasound or need to find out what are my options. We support all of human life. And so for me as a, as a man, even though I know that I could never understand what it's like for a woman to have to be pregnant and have a baby, I just want the Bible to be our guide today. I want the scripture to not pull us. The scripture will never pull you to the right or the left. The scriptures will always pull you vertically to God. That's what prayer does. Prayer won't pull me to the right. Prayer will not pull me to the left. Prayer takes my vision up. It shows me what God has to say on the matter. And on a day like today, as we talk about the image of God and how the enemy wants to attack that image, I wanna be sensitive and say, many of you have lost a child. Many of you have something in your past that has brought you harm and hurt and I wanna encourage you to pray like the psalmist prayed in 139. I wanna encourage you to ask the Lord to see you and lead you and guide you. But I also wanna say, if you've experienced the pain of a miscarriage, God is with you and he sees that part of you and he knows that part of your life and your story. If you've had an abortion and the enemy has tried to tell you that you should be ashamed and that you've made a mistake and that God can't love you. I want you to know from the scripture, God sees you, God knows you, God loves you. God forgives, God offers grace, God offers mercy. Look up to God, see what God is like through prayer. God is a God of tender mercy. God is a God of grace and forgiveness. 
As a matter of fact, um, I, in my own story, have so much of this. I wanna show you, I mean, some of you may not know this, but if you're new, I'm adopted. And I thank God that the women in my life really value life. I thank God that my birth mother chose to give me life when I couldn't choose it myself because I was in the womb. I've got one picture of my birth mother, my biological mom, at about the age that she was when she gave birth to me. Her name was Judy. And I posted this this morning on social media and immediately people started sending me uh, messages going, you look just like her. And she was in her early 20s when she gave birth to me. I want, I want you to know that when she gave birth to me, she chose a hard thing because she was married, but her husband was fighting in the jungles of Vietnam. And while he was in Vietnam fighting, she had an affair with her ex-boyfriend, my biological dad. And she got pregnant with me. And because the enemy wants to shame us, God never wants to shame us, but because the enemy wants to shame us, she was um, sh ashamed of the fact that she got pregnant out of wedlock. And so she moved to Charleston. And she lived there for nine months in an apartment by herself. And the only person who knew she was pregnant was her sister, Lynn. She chose to give me life and she chose to give me away. And I thank God every day that my mom did that. And I thank God that my mom was a, was a woman that made a tough decision. And then recently I was able through DNA to meet my biological family and I met my sister. I didn't know that I had a sister. Her name is Paige. And um, I, I'm on the left. Okay, just making sure. I'm on the left. That's Paige. Paige is holding her little boy. My sister Paige is a single mom. She's a single mom, and she chose life. She decided to have her baby. She's still a single mom. This picture was taken right before the pandemic, and, and she did a hard thing, and now her little boy is growing up with a mama that loves her. She chose life for her son when he couldn't choose it for himself. When my birth mother gave me up for adoption, I was adopted by this woman. And this is my mom that adopted me, uh, my real mom. This is Jane. And she's been dead for 11 years now. And she had tried to have children. Her and my dad tried to conceive for 10 years. They conceived once, and she had a miscarriage. They waited 10 years to adopt me. That's how long it took to adopt me. And so my mom made a very difficult decision, and my dad helped support my mom. And so when I read Psalm 139 and then I go to Genesis chapter one, I see that it's the image of God in human beings that makes us wanna run to someone when they're sick, that makes us wanna care for someone when they have a physical disability or a mental disability. It is the image of God in the earth that has informed the church for 2,000 years. As a matter of fact, if you go back and study church history, or you could just read the magisterial book by Rodney Stark called The Rise of Christianity. You'll see that for 2,000 years, the church has believed in the Imago Dei, the image of God. You can actually see that the reason why the church grew was not because we had slick marketing abilities or great preachers or amazing orators or because 2,000 years ago we had free coffee in the lobby at the Jewish synagogues when Christians were meeting there. No, Rodney Stark, uh, he, he really helps us dissect why the church grew to where it is today because the church believed in the image of God. 
because the church cared for the poor, because the church cared for women and valued women as equal to men, because the church cared for children, specifically children that were left to die. It's called infanticide. And throughout human history, infanticide has been practiced in cultures where if families wanted a boy, but the mom had a girl, the father could decide, we don't want a girl, we want a boy. So they would literally leave children out to die on the streets, to starve or freeze to death. And then here comes Jesus of Nazareth, crucified, resurrected. The word of God is written and canonized. And Christians said, we'll take those children because they bear the image of God. We'll take those children because we've prayed, we've read the scripture. As a matter of fact, outside of the New Testament, the oldest Christian document we have is called the Didache. It was written in the first century. It's basically a Christian catechism. And I wanna quote from the Didache. This goes all the way back to the first century. The Didache says of Christians, quote, Christians are those who do not practice or permit abortion or infanticide. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. And it's not just a political statement we make it's where we put our effort. It's where we put our tithe dollars. It's where we put our energy. We believe in the Imago Day because Genesis teaches us three simple things about human life. You have identity. You have identity. Not, none of us is just a random person, a conglomeration of cells and, and some deoxyribonucleic acid. No, no, no. We all have identity bearing the image of God. It also teaches us you have authority. God gave us dominion over the earth, not to ruin it, but to steward it. I'll say it again, not to ruin it, but to steward it. And how are we supposed to exercise that authority and dominion? By creating life and populating the earth with image bearers of God. You have authority, church. And we have sanctity. You have sanctity. It's not just that you exist, it's that you have eternal value. There is sanctity to your life. That word just means holiness. Your life is holy. The life of every child is holy. The life of every person living in poverty, the life of every Muslim in Pakistan, of every Hindu in India, that life is holy. Every single life has sanctity. And why is this true? It's true because we're made in the image of God. Going back to Psalm 139, you were created by God. That's why we believe that every life is holy, because you're created by God. It says it right there in verses 13 through 16. Let's look at it one more time. You were created by God. You didn't just evolve, you were created by God. It says it right there, you, you formed my inward parts. You, knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Hey, y'all, I was gonna say, let me be as blunt as I can. God doesn't make trash. God doesn't make junk. You're not a throwaway life. You matter to God because he created you. You were created by God, but it's even better than that. And this is how we know God through prayer. It's how the psalmist knew God through the prayer of Psalm 139. You are seen and surrounded by God. 
You won't know this about God if you don't pray. I won't know this about God experientially if I don't talk to him. You are seen and surrounded by God. God sees how the enemy may want to throw up your past, tell you how bad you are, but God sees that and God wants to surround you with his love. He's everywhere you go. He's in everything that you do. I actually wrote this in my notes. Every second of every day, God is everywhere and knows everything about everybody. Boy, talk about every day, everybody having an everyday relationship with Jesus. That's our mission as a church. That is proven right here in verses three through seven. Look at Psalm 139, three through seven. The scripture is so clear. You search out my path, my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in before and behind. You lay your hand upon me. How intimate is that, that your heavenly father loves you enough to put his hand on you? And right now, right now, I'm gonna pause right here. Keep the verses up. Right now, I feel like God is laying his hand on someone somewhere. There's a dad watching right now, and you, can't, you have not been able to forgive yourself because there is an abortion in your story. And I wanna tell you that God right now is putting his hand on you saying, son, I love you. That doesn't define you. And maybe there's a mom right now. I mean, there's thousands of people watching on 14 campuses. And there's a life in your womb. And you may hear voices telling you to do one thing, but I want you to right now listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Your father's putting his hand on you right now. And he's telling you, I know you, I see you. And I've brought you here today to surround you with my love. Listen to the voice of your heavenly father. He sees you, he surrounds you, you hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? There is nowhere you can go that God can't see you and love you. There is no sin I can commit that God can't forgive me and restore me and make me new. And I know that when I pray. I know that when I pray the scripture. I know that when I go to Psalm 139 and I read what the psalmist writes. As in prayer, God reveals to him who he is. A God that loves life from the womb to the tomb. A God that inspires his people, the church, to care for all life. Church, I believe today that what we need in our nation people like us to put our money where our mouth is and to value life, every single life around us. And it starts with taking a little bit of time to make eye contact with that brother or that sister at work, at school, in the post office, in the grocery store, for me at the YMCA or as I'm traveling in an airport. It means that we honestly believe that person we're looking at in front of us is an image bearer of God. Oh, and by the way, so are you. So I want to invite you right now across all of our campuses to stand to your feet. And I want to invite us all to prepare ourselves to respond right now to this message. I'm going to ask our ministry teams to begin to take their places in your room. One of the ways you can respond today is through prayer. Our ministry team is going to come They'll be around your room, some at the altar, some on the sides, and maybe you need to come and pray. 
There'll be people here that can pray with you. You can leave a prayer request written uh, at the cross at your room. There'll be a station where you can write down a prayer request. So the altar will be open and your stations will be open. Also, if you're a believer today, we have communion available every Sunday at New Spring. If you know Jesus, I wanna invite you to come and take communion. As a matter of fact, I wanna invite every Christian at, at every campus to come and take communion today to celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus that was broken and poured out for us. You can do that in a moment we respond. You can worship and sing right where you're standing. You can give during our response time or you can give your life to Jesus today. In your room, there's a cross and there's gonna be someone there at that cross and they would love to lead you to faith in Christ as you take your first steps in a new relationship with Jesus. So as we're standing to our feet right now, I wanna ask you to close your eyes and I'm gonna pray. And while I'm praying, I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and you respond however God tells you to during our time of invitation and response. Jesus, I wanna thank you that Psalm 139 has been recorded in the Bible because it's a prayer that we can look at and know that intimacy and closeness with you is not just possible, it's possible through prayer. And help us to be image bearers every day that know we have your image, but that every person we come in contact with is valuable because they bear your image too. And now as we respond, I pray that nothing would stop us from bearing your image well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina. Okay, one more. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast.